Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, last month when I was preaching, I was doing a bit of a um, series on, um, or started a series on um, some of the prophetic aspects of what God is doing in the church, because about um, six weeks ago, one of the prophetic messages in the church was that there was a tapestry that God was repairing in the church, and a tapestry is, in, um, is like a textile, which they normally put on the walls of uh, old stately homes, manors, castles, and they were quite amazing pieces of artwork. But after a period of time, they obviously got um, faded or some of the um, threads got a bit um, broken. So they had to uh, re-repair, uh, basically, the, the, the broken strands that were going on. And it was like the Lord was saying, in the house, the Faith Point Church, there's these, these threads that are um, loose that need to be uh, woven back in. So there's various aspects of the prophetic which God has been speaking to the church about you know, rewinding uh, back in or, or, or knitting back into the, um, the church. And we're also talking about the aspects of us being conduits of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had a big plunger and it was like, you know, the Lord was actually clearing out some of the pipes so that the Holy Spirit could flow through us in a fresh way and, and, and meaningful purposes. Well, this morning I want to be able to pick up and follow on a bit further with that. The reality is that everyone in this room today, has been made for purpose. You know, you're not, not random choice or anything. You have been here. You've been designed by God. You've been created with intentionality. The Lord knew you before you were even born. He knew you while you were in your mother's womb, um, going through that gestation period. He knew the day you'd be born when you got sort of gushed out into the world and um, you saw the world for, for its true reality. And he, he cared for you as you were being nurtured because he knew there was a destiny on your life and he wanted to position and, pl- and place you well in this planet the hour that you live. And I'm so grateful that we live in this century, this time, because if you look at any time in church history, I think this is the most exciting time that we could choose to live. And so why is it that God has got us here now in this generation? It's for a purpose. He knew you. Um, two weeks ago, my middle daughter, uh, Melissa, she had twins. And uh, that was a bit of a shock. And so up there, you know, there's a, there's a picture of um, a, um, a scanned baby, you know. And so she's got two young ones already, um, amazing little boys. But the shock that she had when the scan went on that she was actually having twins, it's like, oh, come on, you know. Um, she, she knew what she had to go through. Um, I'm a twin. Um, in fact, my brother and me, my mother and father gave up after they had us for some crazy reason. I'm a twin, but there was a shock that went on. But this is what the psalmist says, you know, that, you know, there's an intentionality about us. God knows us. He's with us. He's made us. He hears us and he leads us. And that's an incredible promise. That's the reality. He made you for purpose. He hears you when you pray to him and he leads you. Psalm 139 says this, For you were created in the most innermost part of my mother's uh, being. In my mother's womb, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. You know, David is seeing this reality that, hey, you know, there was this little baby in the womb. God knew about it, and there was a purpose and a call and a mandate. 
But the reality is, everyone in this room is still a work in progress. None of us are perfect. You might think you're perfect. Um, my wife keeps on reminding me I fall well short of the mark. That's tough, but that's the reality. But everyone in this room is designed for purpose, and the Lord is trying to prepare us and equip us for the days ahead and the ministries that we carry. You know, we've been through storms of life, but that's there to strengthen us. We are still a work in progress. Um, on the screen behind us, you'll see a, um, an archway, so this one here. And so when you make an, a mason creates a, an archway, he does it with intentionality. There's a cornerstone. Obviously, um, on the parameters of building, there's cornerstones, but right by the archway, there's cornerstones. And when the job is complete, they put a capstone on the top, obviously referring to Jesus Christ as well. But right in the middle, there's a thing called a keystone. So when the arch comes together, there's strength in the placement. Because if you don't have that keystone there, it's all going to come crashing down. That's the strength point. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians that Jesus Christ is the keystone of our life. And so he's fashioning us together in this like this archway so that the conduit of God can be used through this gateway of our life. It's done with purpose and intentionality. And you know, I love the fact that James has been teaching about from uh, Nehemiah about burnt stones being restored again. Um, I, I do a little bit of building. I'm not a good builder, but we've done a little bit of masonry as well. And so one of the things we have is a cold chisel at home. And we've also got a hammer. And quite often it's like there's this chipping away at stones and concrete to actually create something. And that's what the Lord has been doing with broken lives. On one hand, we've got these threads, these, this tapestry that the Lord is uh, weaving back in to uh, make us whole again. That as Pastor James has been talking about burnt stones, we're getting this constant burnt stones have been re-fashioned um, and forged and repositioned linked together for purpose. And so when the Holy Spirit talks to us the way he has, you know, so if it's like through burnt stones and he starts to come through and starts to talk about uh, tapestries and threads being restored and all that, it's like, take note. It's like the Holy Spirit's underlining something here this morning. So the fact is, we are purposefully made by God. We are wonderfully made by God for purpose. And he wants us to be conduits of his goodness to the world around us. You know, we can be conduits of generosity. We can give money away, um, not just tithing. But, you know, as Christians, we should be liberal and give um, money away, our time away, our resources, our energy to people. We can be conduits of the Word of God. You know, people don't know the Word of God. They don't pick it up and read it, but we can share it with people. We don't have to say, yay, yay, verily, verily. We can just share the, the nuance of the Scriptures that we know in our heart to people to give them a lifeline. We can be conduits of God's healing. You know, when people are sick and dying, we can go and pray for them. I had a call the other day from a friend, one of my uh, colleagues, and he was being carted to the hospital in an ambulance, you know, so I could pray for him, you know, while he's been transmitted to the hospital. You know, we can just be in season and out of season. Uh, we can be conduits of God's love to people. We're living in a really broken, fragmented world. People are dying, dying and crying out for help. Well, we can carry the love of God to those people. We can bless people. We can be merciful to people. People need that help. But bottom line, I think this morning, we can be conduits of prayer. And one of the things as I've um, considered prayer in a um, number of years, over the last number of years, I realized in the church globally, we lack prayer in our churches today. We have it, but it's so superficial. 
It needs to go to a whole new level. And it's like the enemy's come along and said, okay, I know how powerful prayer is. I want to extinguish it. I want to take it out of the, out of the equation because the church is going to not be powerful without prayer. You know, we're living in a, in a physical world, but the spiritual arena is far more real than this natural world will ever be. This world will just disappear. It will be gone. And I've had visions of heaven, and you realize how real heaven is and how, you know, nothing this planet really is. It's going to disappear, and it's going to be gone. But the enemy wants to come and take the value of prayer out of the church this morning. So if you can think of this tapestry, one of the threads coming out is prayer. The Lord wants to be able to weave in the strength of prayer back into our lives. And if we leave today, and I know we will leave today because no one's going to stay here all week. But the thing is, as we go today, if you can take within your heart, hey, I need to pray more, and ask the Lord for a key for you to do that. Maybe it's just walking around the block prayerfully for half an hour once a day or once a week. That's a start. It might be getting on the phone and saying to someone, hey, can we pray for each other um, um, every week on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock um, while we have coffee? Let's do it on the phone together. You can be creative in how you can pray for people. You know, you can say, let's come to the back room of the church here and we'll pray for the church service before the, ser- uh, the service gets started in the morning. Be creative in your prayer. This is a church of the Holy Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit is, anything could happen and should happen. And Because we'll, God likes to show up and show off. You know, this isn't a church of red tape and, and, and bureaucracy. You know, we don't have that at the heart of the church. Some churches, you know, um, they've got to have basically an eldership meeting. If they're going to change the light bulb, they've got to have an eldership meeting. It's crazy, you know. You know, to change a toilet roll, you've got to have another eldership meeting. It's crazy, ridiculous. You know, this is a church of free license. If it's of God, go and do it, you know. So we want spontaneous prayer for, across the landscape of the church this morning. And as that happens, God's anointing is going to start to flow in and through us to the needy world around us. Just briefly, what is a conduit again? A conduit is a pipe, a vessel, or a channel through which water or an electrical current will go, conveying a substance. A conduit is also a person who links two or more people together. That's what a conduit is. And and I just realized that there's going to be a springing up of God through the landscape of this church, not just through this building on Sunday morning or Huapai or or, um, Fiji. It's going to happen in your address you know, where the Holy Spirit is just going to percolate up. And hopefully it's not just a little percolating up. It's going to be like an artesian well where there's going to be an explosive force of God's presence. And the thing for that to happen is people praying. It's not rocket science. You know, we've got to learn to understand the power of prayer. You know, if if you have to go and exercise, no one likes to go and exercise. It's hard work. You know, but as you do, you become uh, spiritually fitter and, 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 and as you do it. And it's prayer is the same as like physical exercise. The more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more powerful you become in God. And so the fact is, we know prayer is a value for the church. You know, the Lord said to James and Peter and John, come with me, guys. We've got some prayer time together. What did they do? They nodded off. They went to sleep. And so Jesus went to prayer by himself and he came back. Come on, guys, we've got to go to prayer. They were still snoring. They didn't want to do prayer. You know, they, you know, they were waiting, waiting upon the Lord doing something else. You know, it's crazy. And, and then he came again. Come on, guys. You know, and I think the prayer call is going out from the Lord this morning. Across not this church, but the nations of the world. Come on, guys. Come to prayer. We need to pray together. He's not, it's not a command to pray. It's a request to pray. And it's powerful. And, and as you pray, you see God move in sovereign 
significant ways. You know, the first century church, you know, the church was birthed through prayer in the upper room. We saw what happened. The Holy Spirit came and he slam dunked the whole world because of the Holy Spirit being arriving. And the thing is, prayer is going to get woven back into the fabric of the church. We look at the scriptures uh, coming into book, the book of Acts, Acts 9. And I just love the fact that on uh, the prayer meeting on Wednesday night, if you haven't done the gone to a prayer meeting on Wednesday night, it's very easy. You just have to go to a Zoom link. You don't have to um, travel anywhere. You don't have to park a car. You don't have to get wet. You don't have to get cold. Um, you can have a cup of coffee in one hand, and you can join the prayer meeting. We've got Stuart Thompson in Romania. He led our prayer meeting. Um, talk, talk about creativity. He led our prayer meeting from Romania on Wednesday night, and he did it so well. And here he is. He could have had all the excuses. It's in the middle of the night. That's when I sleep. I need my beauty sleep. I'm not too... Too, too attractive, so I need my beauty sleep. You know, oh, sorry, Stu, you're probably listening, but you know, the reality is, um, none of us are perfect. Uh, thing is, creativity took place, you know, but what he said, you know, this is what he said in, 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 in Acts 9, uh, just picking up on this. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place and he came to, uh, down to a visit between the believers. Of, uh, <clears throat> I've been throwing off a throat thing this week. Um, meanwhile, Peter traveled and he visited um, the the, the believers down at uh, Lydia. Then he met a man called Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your sleeping mat. And instantly he was healed. And then the whole population of both Lydia and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they all turned to the Lord. So two communities, two whole communities turned to the Lord. Why? Because one man, Peter, as a conduit of God, went somewhere by the direction of the Holy Spirit, and as he responded to the voice of God, things started to happen. Two whole communities came to the Lord. Stuart, when he was uh, leading the prayer meeting, he talked about Jonah this week. You know, a man asked by God to do something, go somewhere and do something. What did he do? He went the wrong direction. But as soon as he actually said, oops, um, turned around, got back on course, the whole city of Nineveh responded. And, and it happened really, really quickly. And I think in the belly of the whale, there was this revelation going on. Conscience was stabbing away at him. He wasn't feeling the perfect peace of God. He was feeling condemned. But then he started to cry out, say, God, help me in this situation. God restored him. And obviously, we know the story now. But as we pick up the story in um, Acts, um, what Peter was doing, he was going out to places led by the Holy Spirit. And picking up on verse 36 it, said, uh, 36, it says this, And there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, in the Greek, which means Dorcas. She was always doing kindly works for other people, helping them, helping the poor. And at this time, she became ill and she died. Her body was washed for burial and they laid her in the upstairs room. And all the believers heard that Peter was nearby in Lydia. So they sent two men and they begged him to come. Please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as they arrived, they took him to the upstairs room, and the room was filled with widows. They were weeping. Could you imagine all these widows weeping and wailing? Um, would have been noisy. Um, so what he did, did, he asked them to leave the room. Then he knelt down, and he prayed, and he turned to the body and said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her a hand. And, we know, and, and, and basically what happened, the whole of the community responded to that miracle. You know, so what he did, he prayed. 
you know, he went in, he, he got a clear direction to go somewhere. And as he went somewhere, he was a conduit of God to reach out and restore a situation. You know, yes, there was a lady. Yes, she was physically restored. But the thing is, a whole community heard about it and they were restored at the same time. And so these are godly men. You know, Peter was obviously a godly man. But why not you? Why not me? As we listen to the directors of the Holy Spirit, we can expect him to show up and show off. And we just have to be pliable and responsive. We don't want to be a Jonah hearing and knowing what we should do and ignore and go the opposite direction. We've got to get in sync with the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, incredible things will take place. Always will happen. Um, around about uh, six weeks ago, I think it was, in the D groups and our discipleship groups, uh, we were studying Chasing the Dragon um, by a woman called um, Jackie Bullinger. And this UK missionary went from England to Hong Kong. And for the last 50-odd years, she's been working with these down-and-outs, these drug addicts and um, the difficult situations, these gangsters in the heart of Hong Kong. And significant ministry. Uh, hundreds of lives have been changed because of this one woman. And she was asked, what was the key reason for the success or the significance of your ministry? And she said, that's easy. It's prayer. You know, every time, every meeting they came together, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. That was the key. Living in a natural world, but living in a supernatural reality. You know, and even last week when Pastor James was sharing about that story about the Titanic, can you remember it? We had this evangelist from Scotland um, on the Titanic and everything, literally the boat was going down and here this guy was. He's on his knees praying and begging people to come to the Lord. When was the last time you got on your knees to pray? Don't put your hands up. You'll probably embarrass everyone. Um, but the thing is, I think there's a new call to prayer, you know, We've got lots of stances. We can sit, we can pray, we can lie down, we can drive driving a car, we can, we can pray in all sorts of positions. We have to be creative. But sometimes we've got to humble ourselves and somehow in the act of being humble, it's like breaking something again, you know. Yes, we are human beings, but we are yielding to the sovereignty of God. So maybe it's part of a key. You know, you're asking, what, what's the breakthrough here? Maybe we've got to fast as well. You know, because Jesus said, sometimes you've got to fast as well. And so we just have to listen to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And so we see God moving in significant ways. You know, the Welsh Revival, what happened to cause the church to explode in the Welsh Revival? You know, they've had lots of um, church historians go back and interview people and ask people. But what happened, it was a guy who was a coal miner, Evan Roberts. He prayed every day for 13 years that God would do something in the heart of his nation, that people would get saved. And he could see 100,000 people getting saved. Well, that didn't happen. 250,000 people got saved. You know, but the thing is, a man on his knees, crying out to God, not giving up, being persistent, 13 years every day, praying that God would move in a significant way. But it wasn't just through him. There was this bunch of old ladies. There was about a dozen old ladies in this really old building in the back of beyond in Wales. They got up every morning and they were praying that God would move in the heart of their nation as well. And over in another part of the, um, the city, there was this other young girl and they were having a, a prayer meeting and she just burst out sovereignly with a song, just like Pastor Viv did this morning. Um, burst out in a song and the presence of God came and it, it just changed the whole environment. And they reckon those three things all happened simultaneously and it was like a breaking out. 
and 1904, the whole landscape of Wales changed. But it wasn't just Wales changing because of the sake of people praying. That ripple effect went to, they reckon, it started 30 revivals globally. And some of those revivals, the domino effects, are still continuing on. The thing is, we have to respond to the value of prayer. Um, and let's be creative how we do it. You know, uh, Don't ask Viv to uh, tell you what to do. Be creative. Be spontaneous. Uh, just enjoy it. You know, I love looking at church history. And as I look back through church history, I think, what have been the key things that have uh, changed the situation for people? And prayer has always been part of that. Edwin Orr said, no move of God has ever taken place without the specific concerted prayer of the saints. And so um, as we've looked at modern church history, there's a guy called George Otis. Um, this is this guy up here. He came to the New Zealand. We brought him to New Zealand about 20-odd years ago. And we went to Windsor Park, and we had all the... Um, the place full. And he was talking about eight significant revivals that had taken place globally in the last 20 odd years and what had actually happened. And he said there's three common things that took place. The first was there was united intercession. You know, people started to pray in cluster groups um, within their churches. Um, and it wasn't just cluster groups of people praying within their churches, pastors came together and they prayed also. There was strong community pastor clusters taking place. So Viv and James are part of um, one here in West Auckland and one out at Huapai. I'm part of one in um, East Coast Bays. And those clusters are incredibly powerful. Colleagues, mates doing church and ministry and life together. But we pray together and there's something really significant. It's like the avocado root. There's something coming down um, you know, into the water that's causing that sort of gestation to take place and it's going to start to break forth and, and, and just change the landscape of our nation. But it wasn't just a few intercessory groups coming together. It was churches linking together as well. There were united prayer movements taking place, uh, not spasmodic ones, but, you know, people praying 24 hours a day in a football stadium. Those were the things that triggered revival in significant places around the world. One place was uh, in Guatemala, Alamango. And basically this, this community was in, an incredible poverty. And it turned from poverty to prosperity. And as they looked at this city, and they call it the miracle city, they realized incredible transformation had taken place. Once upon a time, it was full of superstition. It was full of death and disease and dynamic activity. Uh, there was domestic violence. There was drugs. There was alcohol, witchcraft. There was poverty. You wouldn't want to live there. Um, the few Christians that were there were getting stoned. They were getting persecuted. But this young guy was called to this community, and he was there, and um, they wanted to basically get rid of him. So these gang leaders and everything. So they grabbed him. They dragged him out of his house. They took him out into the street. And they shoved this pistol down his throat, you know, and they shot it. Bang, bang, bang. Nothing happened. And everyone was going crazy. What's going on here? You know, they, they took him into the street basically as a, as, a, as a spectacle to show what had actually happened if you stood up to these guys. And here was this miracle of God, you know, that's been shot at down the throat, a little bit like Daniel in the lion den, you will get rid of this guy. But no, the Holy Spirit was protecting him, you know. And so play it forward, people started to come to the Lord because of that. There was this young girl um, who had um, gangrene, and they said, you've got hours to live, not even days to live. You know, you probably won't see the day out. Sovereignly healed. You know, everyone in the community knew about this girl. Long story short, hundreds, thousands of people started to hear what had actually happened in the community. 
uh, jump forward. They had four jails in the community, all empty. There was no crime. Um, there was um, 36 hotels. They'd all been turned into churches. You know, sovereign move of God. 96% of the community Christians within 20, 25 years. God can move. And so they said, well, what actually happened in this community? And this guy who had the gun shoved down his throat, he said, well, it was united prayer. You know, we came together as pastors. We did life together. We cared for each other. We prayed together. Um, we just enjoyed each other's company. We stood back to back. But more than that, our congregation started to connect as well. There was a unitedness, a connection coming together. And we came together and we did uh, prayer rallies and we did 24-hour prayer uh, things in the soccer stadiums and things like that. That was a significant. And we realized that God was actually breaking something. We had an authority that God had given us that we were responding. You know, the authority wasn't just in our head, it was in our heart and our lifestyle. And we had this uh, whole power of the Holy Spirit that was starting to change the landscape of what was going on. We'll push it forward a bit further. This whole landscape started to change. What was poverty and what was really hard to grow anything, all of a sudden the crop started to grow better and better and better and better. Next slide there, you'll see. Um, so what actually happened, they normally have one crop a year, which was, you know, pretty um, scrappy sort of crop, but all of a sudden they're starting to have three crops a year, you know, threefold pr productivity. But it wasn't just that, it was the size of the fruit. See that carrot that guy's trying to hold up over there? Go back to the other slide there, Sam. You know, massive great thing. Um, the size of what was going on, the cabbages were massive. Um, and so what would normally take 25 days to harvest in a rotation, you know, was having to take 60-odd days now because there was so much productivity. Jump forward, you know, they said, you know, in 1980 when this all started, you know, how much were you um, selling to the other markets? And they said, oh, you know, every, every um, day we'd send out a truck, you know. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, well, trucks are pretty good. Jump forward 10, uh, 20 years to, to, to the year 2000, 60 trucks a week were coming out of this community. You know, from one truck to 60. Well, now there's 60 trucks a day. Why? Because community transformation, what was cursed, has now got a blessing. You know, what was uh, rejected and just uh, had, you know, the Holy Spirit just had done something sovereign. What was the key? People praying. It wasn't fertilizer and all that rubbish. It was people praying, you know. And it's like, it's not rocket science. You know, why would the enemy want to uh, diffuse what's happening in the power base of the church? He would get rid of the prayer people, the intercessors and all that. But the Lord's saying, no, 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 redemption lift. You know, we're going to change communities. We're going to change lifestyles. A um, number of years ago, um, I went to a place called Puntianak. I didn't really want to go there because there was a whole lot of headhunting and writing going on. Um, and one of our missionaries had sent a request saying, can you come back and do a seminar there? So we went in there and we turned up at the airport and they threw us in the back seat. They threw blankets over us and they sort of uh, hit us in the back seat. We went to this place and we did the seminar. And we said, why do you have to bury us in the back seat? Why can't we sort of just sit up? And they said, oh, no, that's no, not safe. We've got to hide you. Um, and we said, what's actually happening? And they said, oh, there's been more riots going on. And so where we live and where we came to the city, uh, there were 500 uh, decapitations taking place. You know, the headhunters, the Dayak and the Majuru were fighting, and basically we counted 500 heads stuck on, stuck on fresh bamboo poles. We need, we need to protect you, so that's why you're under the blankets here. We got through the seminar. Lord, what am I supposed to be doing next year? I want you to come back. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, and, and literally where they said there was a bamboo uh, pole with one head, they reckon there were 10 or 20 other bodies close by. 
Um, it was a very violent place to be. But the Lord was keep on, on nudging me to go back to this place. So I went back and we had this old missionary there. Um, he was retired, uh, but he hadn't retired from life. He went and established this orphanage, 250 kids in the school. And all these kids had come from the jungle and they were getting um, good food and education, but they were getting discipled. They were learning the ways of the Lord. And I started to meet some of these young kids, primary school, secondary school kids growing up. But every morning, five o'clock, they were praying. They were praying. They had learned a spiritual discipline. It was like a spiritual muscle that they were growing with. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. Then they came and had breakfast and they went off to school. You know, it was an amazing story. But what actually happened, there was a philosophy of ministry. One of the, this old missionary, he was really wanting to retire, but he had success with 250 children. But then this other new missionary was coming along and he had a vision for 2,000 people. And the old missionary was saying, well, look, you know, our campus here has only got room for 250 people. And he said, yeah. But he said, would Jesus turn anyone away from him? You know, so he'd go off and visit some pastors in some villages, and all of a sudden there was two or three extra kids in the car. And so at home in his house, which was designed for 12 people, they had 30 people, 35 people. More and more people were coming into the house. So Ronnie was saying, Jesus would never say no to these people coming to him. He said, in my home, there's always going to be another plate, another pillow, um, more space for more people. So what actually happened, we had to, we had to separate these two um, warring missionaries. And so we let the older guy stay where he was, and we had to find another location for this other ministry. And so it took about three years to find a good location, and I'm leading somewhere with this, friends. The thing is, the right location is where the Holy Spirit wants to send you. And so there was a place called Mongala, um, right up in the hills. It was about uh, another 14 hours drive from the other missionary base. And and the vision was basically to start a place where 2,000 people could come on a daily basis to hear the Word of God, where they could be educated, cared for, health care provision, all that sort of stuff. 1,000 people would live on site, and another 1,000 people would come in on a daily basis. That was the vision. And it's like, how do you do this? You know, it's an incredible vision. But every day, they marinated in prayer. They got up first thing in the morning. These young kids um, grew in the ministry by praying, praying, praying. Um, this here is, is a picture of about two years ago from, from, the, from a drone up in the air. This thing is spreading out more and more. Next slide there, you'll see um, basically accommodation blocks starting to go in. Um, there's several buildings. There's nine of them coming up here just for some boys, uh, teenage boys coming up. But now uh, we're on site, we've got about 750 people. But those 700 people are living on site every day. They get up at 5 o'clock for a 5.30 prayer meeting. And every morning it's just like, Pray, 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 pray. If they go to school, they start their school lessons, they pray. Everything is soaked in prayer. It's not religious, it's just a lifestyle. And so as you jump onto the next slide there, you'll see there's been expanding of this whole ministry. So the vision is to educate people. So now there's actually 36 classrooms that have been built for high school students alone. There's another 10 uh, classrooms for primary school people. People in this whole community are starting to hear about the Word of God. But right up until then, this area was absolute poverty. It was You just would not want to be there. Remember that there's, there's headhunters and there's, there's disease, there's typhoid, dengue, um, mosquitoes are everywhere. Um, there's, um, there's, there's all sorts of nasties in, in, the, in the soil, cholera, all that sort of stuff. Most people would die by the time they got to the age of 30. That's how bad it really was. But... Um, there's a young guy called Toh here. Um, just jump onto the next slide there. 
probably mixed up a wee bit. There's a whole new generation of people learning to pray here. But there was this guy called Tohir. I'd seen him grow up. And he was given the responsibility of buying this land. And so he would go to this village. It was run down, a little bit like the Guatemala situation. Violence, drugs. Um, you know, he turned up and people were chasing him down the streets with machetes. You know, why? Because he had some money and they wanted the money in his pockets. And so they had agreed to actually um, sell some land, which we needed. You know, we had to have land that wasn't going to get flooded when the rains came and it had to be high enough so it wouldn't get flooded. But there had to be enough water to, to wash and um, care for these people as well. You know, so there's a lot of negotiation going on. And so Tohir went in fearful, but sovereignly protected in this whole situation where people were wanting to kill him. But here this young guy learning the value of prayer every day, every day, every day. Now he's actually leading a church of around 800 people. Significant young man. But it wasn't just him. There was teams of other, this is, uh, the guy on the left-hand side is a guy called Jeremiah. He's actually, I've seen him grow up from a, um, like a seven-year-old right now. He's been to university. He's now got a doctorate of education and is now responsible for um, the high school and the primary school. And all these young ones are coming in. Um, this guy in the middle here, um, a guy called Charles, he's a little bit like our, our uh, oh, I mean, too many names, uh, uh, Julius. He's a lot like him, you know, he's like, a, like an energetic bubble of uh, uh, power source. Uh, he was our driver, you know, learning to drive a car, you know, um, driving the car. He was being picking us up at the airport and driving us around. But now he's responsible uh, on paper for this whole ministry, you know. Um, orphanages and feeding programs and bakeries, bakeries and workshops, all sorts of things going on. This guy over here is Tohir, um, young guy, a new generation starting to come to the fore to lead this whole ministry. And he's got church planting in his heart and a, a vision that's incredibly big. Long story short, these guys are conduits of God's presence. They're there, raised up in an hour for a purpose, to change a community, to change a nation. Yeah, these are overseas people, but these guys are simple. They're hearing God's word. They're full of faith. They're doing what they can do within their capacity. You know, they don't get paid to do this. There's no honorariums. They, they get food for their families and all that. They just want to serve God. But the key, friends, is prayer. And it's not, not these guys. It's the next, next slide there, Sam. You'll see something come up here. There's a whole new generation of people coming through. These, it's like play it for. These other young ones are learning to pray and do life together. And these are our best evangelists because they're going out to these villages with transformed lives. And the people are saying, we want what you guys have got. The bottom line is prayer. Everything they do in this ministry is saturated in prayer. Five o'clock, they get up. You know, They might have 20 people living in one home, all rattling around trying to uh, get into the bathroom and get out the door. Um, the prayer meeting that starts at 5.30, and it start, starts off, bang, phew. You know, before the services start, you know, there's prayer meetings. They're creative in their prayer. The thing is, what are we going to do as a church for prayer? You know, let's be creative in prayer. You know, we've all come to this building today. We've all, some of us have got crunchies. We can go home with crunchies. But hopefully you go away with a desire to pray just a little bit more. Um, you know, I pray quite regularly, you know. Um, but through COVID, I share this with the online Zoom people. I've learned to actually pray more and more. So I've got up. I put running shoes on and I've, I've walked for one hour, two hours with the dog. dog probably doesn't know how far we're going to go sometimes. But every morning I'm praying for an hour to two hours, you know, prayer walking. That's one of the keys that I've got because if I'm at home, there's going to be another um, distraction that's going to take me away from that. God's speaking to me. Um, I'm processing certain things, what I've got to do, how I've got to do things. He's giving me keys. But what is God going to ask you to do? 
Maybe it's not a two-hour prayer walk every day, but maybe it's an initiative like, oh, I can actually get onto that Zoom meeting on Wednesday night. It's not that difficult to do. You know, Sue can give you the, the link to do it. Um, you may not get to the prayer meeting on Zoom every, every um, Wednesday night. It might be every other Wednesday, but be creative. Uh, it might be just saying, let's do a, a prayer cluster before the service starts on Sunday morning again. It might be just getting on the phone and actually um, talking to people and praying for people that well, the, the needs that Jerry actually have. So I'm going to pause there, but I'm going to have we got some going to play, do, do something. Um, but I just don't want to end the service cold this morning. I just really want us to just to pause and just wait that the Lord would even start to speak to us as we sit in our seats this morning and that he would start to even as he called Peter and James and John, come on, pray with me. Lord, right now, our ears are open to the voice of your Holy Spirit. We know that you had an invite to James and Peter and John to come to pray for you before you went to Calvary. But we know that the urgency of the hour is there and you're beckoning for us is to come and pray with you even now, Lord. That you'd start to give us keys, that you'd start to give us insights, you'd start to give us directions, that you'd give us creative ideas to be able to pick up the responsibility of prayer. So that when you look at our lives and our lifestyles, we wouldn't be the Jonas going in the wrong direction, doing the wrong things. That we would be a, a group of people that commissioned by your Holy Spirit, empowered by your Holy Spirit, can go into communities and start to change so much for so many people. Changing nations. Blessing people. Being conduits of your Holy Spirit. So let's just stand, and Viv's going to lead us in a song now. And while she's doing that, just really look to the Lord that he will give you a key to move on in prayer for you. Not for the person next to you, but for you as an individual. Hallelujah. Thanks, Viv.